Now, introducing the queen of men's health. Welcome to the Ali Gilbert Podcast, where you'll find the premier men's health info delivered to you the only way I know how, truthful and raw, with the occasional boner joke thrown in. If you guys like this episode, subscribe to my YouTube and slide in the DMs on Instagram and join the party. can't miss this. <laughs> okay. So let's go back. So, um, yeah, it's that misconception of cardio is going to make you lose your gains and it's, it's not great for muscle gain. People need to realize that it, it it's, it's all about the dose. The dose makes the poison, as they say. And it also depends on a lot of other parameters. So if you start doing a lot of conditioning or a lot of cardio and you're doing too much of it and too high intensity and you're not fueling that, then it becomes a problem, Right. Um, but it's really been blown out of the water. When you look back at, at the early bodybuilders from the golden era, and you look at, you know, uh, Franco, you look at, um, you look at Arnold, all those guys were doing road work. So if, if you, nobody reads the old books anymore, but if you actually go back and read their books from the seventies and the early eighties, they'll talk in there about the importance of cardio and that they would go out for jogs. If you think about this two, 250, 260 pound Arnold going out for a jog. So they knew the value of that, not just for keeping their health together, but also it's just a method of, you know, using that as a calorie deficit that the mm-hmm. problem is. And then all those guys back then, you know, they're all, they're doing, they're bricklayers. They're doing hard labor stuff and still bodybuilding and still doing road work. And they seem to do okay. But a lot of the guys have this big misconception that cardio is bad. It's going to ruin your strength gains and all that. And um, it's, it's not, it hasn't, it's not the truth. It has no relevance in truth unless you're overdoing it, going too hard, um, not fueling for it. So a lot, a lot of people will do when they start to cut is they'll get in a deficit and they'll add a bunch of cardio and they don't realize now maybe you're in a 500 calorie deficit and you're doing five or 600 calories of cardio a day. Now you're no longer in a 500 calorie deficit. You're in like a thousand, 1200. Well, no wonder you're going to lose muscle, right? But there's also safety guards against this. So making sure you add more protein like that's the biggest thing that's going to be going to be an issue is if you're in that massive of a deficit you need to increase your protein so that you don't oxidize too much of your own body protein you're adding more amino acids to the amino acid pool so that tends to have a safety guard effect and and then regulating what you're doing so um making sure that you're doing stuff that's not overly stressful like number one monitor your time and distance when we say do your cardio, especially for health, uh, don't go out and train for a marathon and try to bodybuild and try to do physique work, right? If you're looking at like, what's the biggest thing now is everybody's walking. They're basically walking half marathons every day to get lean. <laughs> it's like, I can do 30,000 steps. I'm better than you. It's so wild. I've got a buddy right now. He has a girl doing like 24,000 steps, right? And yeah. that's because her calories are so low. And that's what's going to, she's going to, she can't possibly eat lower than that. I mean, she could, but it would be detrimental. At some point, your calorie, the low end is going to be detrimental to holding onto your muscle tissue. She's getting ready for for a big competition. So like your next best choice is, well, I need to improve output. Well, how do I do that? Well, I'm going to have to do more cardio. Now, everybody in the industry makes like walking is sexy. Like let's periodize our walking. And, you know, it's like, why? With Okay, if, if I'm if I'm a physique athlete and I'm walking for 12,000 steps a day and my heart rate is like 75, 80 on my walk, you could easily get on an elliptical and push that up to like 150, 120 and get your calorie output done in a fraction of the time. And it's not going to have any issue with burning off your muscle tissue. It's not going to have any issue with needing to recover from it because it's so low intensity. So... You know, a lot of guys will go, nah, I can't do the cardio. Cardio, is that is that a Spanish word or something? Uh, you, you've seen all the memes, right? Yeah. And uh, I can tell you, most guys need to be doing it, especially if they're on TRT and especially if they're a little bit overweight. I think I told you in a, a chat, like, I tell a lot of guys, you're too fat for TRT mm-hmm. or you're too fat to do a cycle. Like, if you're, if you're overly fat, you are going to aromatize a lot of that testosterone. So you're basically wasting your money and you're creating other negative effects. If you would just lose some weight, the TRT would work a lot better and your cycle would work a lot better as well. You know, do you, do you like, I always think how weird it is because we grew up in the eighties and nineties, like even, you know, 10, 15 years ago to be like, 
I'm going to track my steps, like to track steps is like such a weird concept. Yeah. And now literally you see people on IG stories. They're like getting my steps, morning steps, evening steps, like, fuck, like, are we that lazy now? Like periodizing steps, like you said, <laughs> it's like, like, this is the only thing. Yeah, it's, it, it, it baffles the mind because man, people don't have time for that. And I've never... I mean, I've trained you for years now and I've never asked you to get you like, how many steps do I get? I don't care. Like just do yeah. your cardio. You take and, it away from me, if anything, because I like walking so much, you know? Yeah. And it's like, like if, if somebody's already got a significant amount of steps, like asking them to do more steps, you, you have to look at the reality of how much time it takes to get the steps in. Because a lot of people, like I walk really fast. Yeah. I walk at about 100 and 121 steps per minute. That's obnoxiously fast. And people complain when they walk with me that I walk too fast. Um, so for me to get 10,000 steps is I get that done far faster than someone who gets 100 steps per minute. Right. So and you don't see these people going out. They're not speed walking. They're just like casually walking, getting their steps in because they feel like if they go a little bit faster, they're going to waste all their muscle tissue. It's mm -hmm. so stupid. Right. <laughs> so what, before. Before we we dive more into this, because I had to hit record because when Luke goes on a tangent and I miss it, I get really pissed. But for those of you who don't know, Luke is my coach. He's been coaching me for like six years. And literally any anything that comes out of my mouth that is remotely funny probably was stolen from him. But I've learned to develop my own jokes in the last six years. But the majority is stolen from him, along with a lot of the content, everything that he has taught me, every action figure I've created. Every guy who is shreddy is because of this man right here. So listen to what he has to say, because he is not only super brilliant, but he is incredibly good at walking the walk as well. Mm -hmm. And there's a ton of, I mean, there's so many good things I can say about him, but I'm just not going to say it because he needs to reciprocate with compliments too. So that means <laughs> <laughs> now we can continue the cardio combo. I give you, I give you your quarterly compliment. Just, just take it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting much better. I'm getting much better. You are, um, Thank you, Zoe. Thank you. Yeah, that's my <laughs> wife's fault. She's ruined me. Um, yeah. So I guess we wanted to like kind of address. You, you wanted to say like, what are we going to talk about? Ah, we can talk about anything. But I think um, like that cardio aspect is a pretty good one too because people still have this weird, this weird fear of doing it. Um, well, well, men, especially, like you said, they're afraid their muscles are going to melt and gentlemen, for you guys to understand what true aerobic fitness means and why it's important when you're on steroids or TRT, Luke is going to explain that. So I, I don't want to cut you off from well, what you're going to say. No, no, no. Good. Good. That cut me off. Um, like that's the, th you, you, there's a lot of different things. Like you look at, you look at taking TRT. And we have to have this discussion. Is that necessarily healthy? We don't really know, but it's probably better than not having testosterone and having insomnia, inability to put on muscle mass, having sarcopenia, getting fat and having no energy and having depression. So it's far better, right? And, and I guess it depends on like your doctor and how much they dose you, right? If you're on like regular TRT or whether they put you on like sports TRT plus or whether you do what most guys do is they hoard bottles and they take extra and they, and then they don't take a shot for two weeks so that they keep it. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Most of the guys I know will get their, just get their testosterone. They'll get their primo test in or whatever they're getting from the doctor. And then they'll buy black market stuff and they'll get fucking yoked. And then they'll stop taking it before they go in and they'll, they'll do, they'll purposely do things like three hours of cardio a day and not sleep and maybe get wasted the night before their labs. They'll show up with like no testosterone and they'll just keep getting it prescribed. I think it's beautiful. Um, I'm jealous because it's so hard for me to get testosterone in Australia because I walk in and I'm lean and I've got some muscles on me. And even though I show them my labs that I'm hypogonadal, they'll go, oh, you don't look like you need it. So I'm like, okay, thanks. I love that. I fucking love it. We get that in the US too. Like you're too young. You look too fit. You seem too happy or like what? <laughs> I've heard literally the most ridiculous shit. I heard like the other day, a guy was like, well, the doctor said that he's going to test me for ADHD instead. I'm like, what? What? Yeah, I don't need, don't even get me, the, don't even get me started on ADHD thing. Someone who was diagnosed when they were a kid and has been dealing with this their entire life. It's so ridiculous. 
most of the people I know with ADD are just fucking unorganized and they're just spending too much time fucking around on stuff that doesn't matter, like talking on, fighting out with people on Facebook and social media. But yeah, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, we you know, later. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can talk about ADD too and what to do if you are have ADD, how to, there's a lot of things I've had to figure out um, as I got older of how to manage things like heart rate and blood pressure when you're taking basically natural uh, synthesized speed for your, for your yeah. attention deficit stuff. But um, I think one of the, one of the things I wanted to, to kind of explain is a, you, when you look at the people who talk about cardio ruining your gains, it's, it's almost always big meathead bodybuilders, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so weird because traditionally we would do a lot of cardio leading into a show. You'd start out with like 20 minutes, three days a week. And when you weren't seeing anything, you'd go to 24 days a week and then 25 days and then you'd go to 25 minutes. And then by the time you got on stage, you'd be doing two hours of cardio a day, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at who's, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bumstead. Like I was watching, yeah, I was watching his prep on YouTube um, when he was getting ready, I think for the Arnold or for the Olympia. He was, okay, this is a guy that's like 235 pounds shredded. He's like three or four weeks out. He's doing two hours of cardio plus his weights on 1,600 calories, right? And normal dudes who aren't getting on stage are scared of doing fucking calories and they're scared of dieting hard enough to get as lean as they want to get. So it's like, come on. Um, yeah, and hit like with his stature and I saw him in person, I'm like, okay, wow. Like that's, yeah, that's impressive. But if you can't diet and like you, oh, I'm hungry and then allow that to take over your life, then you're not going to get as lean as him. And a lot of guys want to look like him. And granted, it's not just the dieting factor why he looks like that, but. And let's, let's look at that too. Like, do people really want to look like him? So now you have to look at, you have to look at like, if you're, if you're a trainer or your coach, you have to look at your demographic. Like I don't have any, I train almost 90% coaches and 10% just normal gym pop people. I don't have a single person that wants to look like a professional bodybuilder, not even classic physique. They might want to look like a very scaled down version of that, but most of the guys want to look like a cover model on men's fitness, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. you know, that's like more appealing to normal people who aren't in our industry. And even for the people that I train that are in the industry, most of the guys, that's what they want to look like. Like they don't want to look like a big ass bodybuilder and they already know how much work it takes. Like you, that you don't end up with a physique like that by accident. That takes many years of, of being on the point all the time and a lot of drugs. So no, it, 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 it takes no work. You just sit and inject shit on your couch. And then in two weeks after going to the gym, you look like him. Yeah, that's it. Like you don't even have to lift weights. You just do like Jane Fonda body pump stuff and you'll just get massive. But it's just, it's so weird because there's so much misinformation that surrounds this stuff. And um, I've been balls deep in this for decades. So I've, I've been and seen it, done it. I've been 270 pounds with abs. You ain't getting there without drugs. That's fine. I did minimal effective dose for most of the, what I did. But like even me, even up to about, even up to about the age of 40, I just, I had this weird identity thing where I had to be the biggest dude in the room everywhere, right? And that started, I was bullied a bit when I was a kid, um, all the way through high school. And then when I left high school and started getting into bodybuilding, I did powerlifting all through high school, got into bodybuilding. And then I met dudes who were on gear. And, it, you know, I think I'd been training about 13 years, had been as big as like 240, 245 pounds powerlifting. And then I was like, okay, let's take it to the next level. So that's when I did my first shot of testosterone, like 21. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually waited until I'd done everything I could do. And then I got on testosterone. I started out with like, I think 400 milligrams of Bravel te Test 200, which is like dirty Mexican made gear that all the vials were underdosed. If you look at the vial, all of them had different amounts of liquid. So I was probably just colors. like, yeah, different colors. You're always wondering like Russian roulette or Mexican roulette. Of, am I going to get an abscess or not from this dirty shit? <laughs> and uh, man, it only took like, I was probably only taking like 300 milligrams at 21. And I put on like 15, 20 pounds in six weeks, you know? So I, I think people don't understand how powerful test, testosterone is. They just want to, a lot of young guys want to do a cycle. It's like, bro, just do, just do 120 milligrams a week. Just do 60, 80 milligrams twice a week and see what happens. Yeah. Almost always that puts like 
six, seven pounds on somebody without having to take a huge dose. But, you know, taking, taking it as a cycle is a whole different story. But um, I think people need to get in their, in their head, like what they, what they actually want in the end. So if they're interested in health and having a prophylactic response against putting a foreign chemical in their body, you know, or, uh, supposed to be synthesized natural thing if you're just taking testosterone, but that's not going to come without some side effects. So you want to try to set yourself up in the best position possible. And the more fit you are, the better performance you're going to get. You're going to be able to train harder, recover harder. The testosterone is going to do what it's supposed to do better. And that's a great thing about taking testosterone is even if you do, even if you overdid cardio, testosterone is a great equalizer. It's a very good counterbalance to doing that. So you're not likely like the side effects aren't going to be muscle wasting the side effects. You're going to get real fucking lean if you do that. But what would be overdoing cardio? Like, is there a point that you would say would be excessive for somebody who is lifting if they're not an ultra endurance athlete? I, I think a lot of it because everybody's so different. So whenever I look at clients, I, I start giving them protocols and I have to see the response. So the first thing is we look at some objective markers if you if we look at what the main thing you're doing is, which is weightlifting, then the cardio is a secondary thing. So you don't want the cardio to now ruin your weightlifting. So if somebody starts doing some conditioning, maybe they start with a low low dose of it, like 20 minutes, seven days a week. Super easy. Just not walking, but not running. Maybe they're walking on an incline treadmill or maybe they're rucking. That's the new thing. The new industry like trend is to go rucking. And there's pros and cons of that too. But I would say if you start doing, like I like cycling myself because, and that's why I encourage you to do it. You like to run, but I encourage you to cycle. And the reason is we're already training legs a couple of days a week. We're, we're hammering stuff. The cycling is a really good cyclical, concentrically, concentrically cyclical, man, that's hard to say, um, activity that do, it doesn't, there's no like, there's no eccentric movement in it there's no like bat, like beating up your joints so it, it it's actually a good one that makes your legs look better while also saving them for your leg workouts but depends on what modality you use so like non-impact would be a good one if you're doing a lot of weight training because you're already going to get kind of that impact or that heavy resistance while you're doing your weight training right so if you do a lot of running with that then you have to really touch you with the volume and, the, and how fast you run because it may affect your weightlifting. And the goal is to just get healthier, get better conditioning without it affecting the weight training. Create Also create a caloric funnel so you can eat more, right? Do a little more cardio, feed those calories back. Because what we're working on realistically in the initial stages is cardiovascular adaptations, not a caloric deficit. So use the conditioning as a tool to work the cardiovascular system at first. Then later when you're ready to get, maybe you're getting ready for a photo shoot or a holiday or even getting on stage, that's when we would use conditioning as a method of uh, calorie deficit to end up being able to eat a little bit more, right? But um, I like to go on always like objective and subjective markers. So if I'm looking at somebody's programming and I see that they're starting to struggle with their weights, I, I, now it's my job to look at that and go, okay, is there enough rest between workouts? Is there enough rest between exercises? Is the load now too much for the volume? So I have to look at the workout first and say, okay, have I increased the volume lately? Have I, have we put two leg workouts that are too close together, two upper body workouts cl too close together? So that's the first thing. The second thing I have to look at is what did we do with the conditioning? Oh, I added like another hour through the week of conditioning and they started to tank. Now I need to look at the nutrition. Did we adjust the nutrition up to accommodate that extra conditioning? So you've got like all these dials and, and levers that you're switching around and turning to try to figure out what caused the decrease in performance. So then it's like, okay, maybe I've now pushed the cardio too much. Let's back that off or let's lower the intensity, right? And so at different stages, different intensities are gonna make sense. And at different, those different stages, different volumes are gonna make sense, right? Now I'll give you, I'll give you a good example because I've been dieting the last few months, um, trying to get leaner than Brian Cron for Silverback. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it because he's so far ahead of me, but I'm going to try. Um, <laughs> but I decided, cause I'm training, I'm, I'm, I'm prepping to possibly do a triathlon. So I'm doing running and cycling. And what I found was I was on low, lower carb, 
low for me, which was like 130, 150 grams of carbs a day. And I was going out for these runs where I was running at like 180 beats per minute, which oxidizes a lot of glucose. Mm-hmm. So I was draining the glucose way faster than I could actually put it back. So what I noticed is after like three or four days, I was completely ruined. I was sitting at my computer and I was like, I couldn't push my thoughts through jello. And I realized, I, okay, the, the training intensity, I'm burning too much carbohydrate for what I'm putting back in. So now I have to make a decision. Do I pump the carbs up or do I lower the intensity of the uh, exercise? So I did both just to see what would happen. So I doubled my carbs. I went up to like 250, 300. And then I just got on the bike and I just started doing tempo rides and, and things in like zone one, zone two. And all of a sudden I just dropped a heap of weight and filled out and I looked and started getting veins everywhere and I looked better. So it's, it's always a factor of use observation, look at how you feel. What did I change that now made me go in a negative manner? Look at your performance in the gym. What did I change that now affected my performance in the gym? That's the thing you have to tweak. So if you added a lot of cardio and high intense cardio, and you also kept your carbs low, now you have two different things you need to think about readjusting. And it's just a constant readjustment. But most of the guys doing the physique stuff, the stuff I'm doing right now is for performance. So I don't, it's non-negotiable. I have to do hard shit in order to get prepped for a a triathlon. Um, But these guys that are just wanting it to get lean, it's like, you don't really need to do super hard cardio. You just need to do find, find out how much is good for you. And when that's not working, think about either doing harder cardio or doing more cardio, one of those, or adjusting your diet. All of those work, or even adding more weight training. But to me, my clients, it's non-negotiable. I have all of my clients do cardio, yep. almost all of them, right? Just from the fact that they need to get fit, that's going to benefit the weight training, that's going to benefit their physique, and it's going to benefit anti-aging and longevity. It's going to reduce their, their mortality risk. What about like, we've joked how, you know, with me, you give me cardio and then I love it. And then I want, I don't want it to leave like with men who all of a sudden they really love it. They love the way they feel. They want to keep it in. Like, do you ever struggle with that where they have, you know, they're training for aesthetics. So they're not training for an event or anything. They like doing cardio. Then they also like lifting four to five days a week when they want to look a certain way and they maybe they, are, won't, eat. they won't eat more. Yep. That's where I'm getting to. Where are you how going? Do you, how do you handle that? <laughs> I mean, the first that, you know, me, like I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a no bullshit coach. Like I don't yeah. parent people. I don't hold your hand. If you get your shit done, I won't, I won't fuck with you. You don't get your shit done. I'm either going to fuck with you or I'm just going to ignore you until you get your shit done. Like stop wasting my time. Stop wasting your time. Um, so I'm just point, point blank direct. I'm like, look, you're not eating enough to fuel this. So we we're at an impasse. You either eat more and we keep the cardio in cause you like it, or you don't eat more and we're removing the cardio. And at this point you are just working on steps or really low, low, um, conditioning. So what I tend to do is tell them, I'm going to give you a step goal. I don't care if that's from steps or not, but I'll give them a minimum threshold. Like try to get 7,000 steps a day. If you can, maybe 8,000. Now, maybe I've prescribed them 12,000 steps. Then I want you to make the rest of that up with cardio. What cardio equipment would you like to use? And I'll make the conversion for you. So, you know, I need to try to get 7,000 steps in naturally. And I need to get like three or 5,000 steps. But it doesn't have to be steps because that's another like 30 minutes to an hour of walking. I can just throw you on an elliptical and we can do that in, in half the time, right? So then that allows me to have them get the steps in, also regulate um, regulate how much conditioning volume we have based on how much food they're willing to eat or what they're willing to not eat is what we probably should say. But um, but then I, I regulate everything to super low intensity cardio at that point. And I think that's where guys like freak out. Cause like, yeah, I did a reel on men under eating and had like people come at me from left and right because of context and the fact that like you get on me about it but it's not about me it's about like the clients that I see do this too where they add activity but they don't bring the calories up and then they feel like shit that activity can come in the form of jujitsu or just like they're doing extra yeah but they're like well I'm gonna go for a walk with a weight vest like how how do how do like doing things subconsciously that they think are good 
really fuck with them, like doing weight fest or rocking or like, you know, walking 40,000 steps because they feel like it. Yeah. Mess with them. What was you the know, question? How is that? How is like, why is that so detrimental? Or they're doing like secret cardio? Yeah. I mean, look, it, you've got a, you've got, if you're just a normal gym pop person, you've got normal gym pop goals, which is like, I'm actually doing a seminar uh, talk on this this weekend at a symposium. It's like, you need to look at the difference between a beginner and an advanced, right? Most people who are gen pop are going to be in that kind of beginner, novice, intermediate category where they have goals, but their goals are very non-specific. I want to lose, I want to lose fat. I want to put on a little bit of muscle. I want to get a little bit stronger. I want to get more mobile and more flexible, but they don't really have like a set goal. So it's basically just like, okay, general health and fitness, you know, general physical preparedness for strength, conditioning, all this. They just want to be, they want to feel better, look better, be able to do more shit without pain. Cool. I got that. When they get in the advanced stage or elite level or sports performance, we, things got to change, man. Like you are doing this for performance, which means we have to eat like an athlete. We can't eat like a bikini girl. You have to fucking eat. And things like BJJ um, grappling is the worst because these guys will train. I, I have had guys that train eight hours a week, two competition classes, and then they train just normal classes. You know, so they're, they're doing a, in their teaching, you've got like brown and black belts who are teaching classes. So they're doing roles, they're doing their classes, they're doing more advanced classes, they're doing fight prep, they're doing all that stuff. They're probably training 15, 16 hours a week, just in grappling. And then you might have them, then they want to go out for long runs. So they may be running like an hour a day and they may be weight training three days a week. And it's like, guys, like I, I'll put them down and I'll, I'll put their TDEE and I'm like going, look, this is what you need to be eating, right? The, I've had guys eating 1800 calories with like a 5,000 calorie TDEE. And they wonder why they always, they're always hurt. They never seem to recover. Um, they force themselves to go to the gym because they're addicted to grappling. And most of the time, they don't even want to be there. They're only doing it because, like, that's their anchor of keeping their sanity. And yeah. so, like, you, you got to just slowly, it's where things like reverse dieting goes in. You just start trying to get them to eat more by giving them super easy stuff. Like, I, I had a guy do a super fight the other night that was televised on UFC Fight Pass. Mm. Like, he wouldn't get, he wouldn't get his, all his ca calories in or his carbs in. And I'm like, all right, I just want you to have juice. Whatever carbs you get with juice, the dude drank 16 um, eight ounce glasses of juice. It was like 250 grams of carbs or something. And I was like, cool, at least at least he could get it in. So you have to use little tricks like that. Give them liquid nutrition, stuff that's easy for them to manage so they can grab and go. And then just don't even tell them how much is in it. And what's funny is I put him on that and he dropped like a kilo and a half. So he dropped like four pounds overnight. I'm like, yeah. you see, see, this is why you got to eat. And he's getting ready for a, for an adventure race. Like a, he's got to run a marathon uh, distance every day, seven days in a row, starting in I think Germany or something, and, and ending in like Italy or something through like trail run. Like it's massive. I mean, if you don't learn how to eat right now, you're not going to make this. Like, there's no way. Uh, that that's impressive. It's but, fucking nuts. But yeah, it's nuts, but that's impressive. Um, I don't know I, why they want to do that. That's what cars are for. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally purposely put some of my guys who are chronic under eaters, which I think you, you know, the majority of them had them do, um, the energy output based, uh, chron chronometer or whatever, um, to show them their output and what, what they should be eating because instantaneously, even if I set a deficit built in the calories, like far exceeded where they were. And I was like, just wait and literally like a week or whatever veins they look better like all that stuff and i'm like this is why i mean it's way more accurate to go this way and blah 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 and for those of you who don't know like what i'm talking about um i'll let you explain it because you explain it way better about um, talking about the macros versus versus energy based is it the the system i created for like technology chronometer okay so like yeah, yeah so I started working on this a few years ago because I've got like, I love my garment. Like I've had my third garment, I think. And I wanted to see, yeah, the Phoenix gang. You got the new one though. So I'm jealous. Um, like I've been using chronometer for, I don't know, six or seven years. And I, I like that more than my fitness pal. It's cleaner. Um, 
it's it's a bit more accurate. Uh, it gives me more leverage as a coach to do stuff on my end. Um, and the technology ties into it really well. So I started using my Garmin to tell me what my TDE is every day because it uses things like your heart rate, it uses stress levels, you can put your workouts in. So it's fairly accurate. And a lot of people will poo-poo this idea because of some studies that came out in like 2016, like old studies. And people need to understand technology moves really quickly. When I was still a computer programmer, like a few decades, two decades ago, two and a half decades ago, the tech industry, would, you'd have all new shit, like it would be completely 200% advanced at every 18 months. Now it's like every three months. So the technology is getting really good. So if we look at studies that are even two years old on how good technology training is, it's, it's now irrelevant. So um, especially with Garmin, I found Garmin's probably the best one, the most accurate, but they also bought a company that made a CoreSense, which is like the most accurate wrist-based watch. And if you know how to set up chronometer correctly, you can set your basal metabolic rate. You can have it import your activity from the watch. You can have it import your training from the watch. And I did this for, God, two years. And then I would run a total, like an average, and I would calculate what my TDE should be based on using catch McCardle and based on using activity factors. And it was dead on accurate. It was like within 5% plus minus, which is pretty fucking good. So then I started giving a couple of clients that this year I started like slowly integrating it with clients and God damn, it works like a fucking champ. So like the people who actually pay attention to it, they're losing, like you see steady losses. And then when we do surpluses, steady, it's just, it's like clockwork. So basically what we do is we set those parameters of here's your basal metabolic rate, which I'll calculate. Then we'll, we'll have the watch import all of your daily activity. And then we'll set, I'll usually set protein and fat because those are pretty constant. If you set your protein, whatever value that's going to be, that doesn't really need to change much, if ever, right? Unless you're really overweight. If you're really overweight, that's going to change quite a bit. But if you're at a normal average body weight, and let, let's say I set my protein at say 225. If I'm 95 kilos and I drop down to 88, that protein allotment's not really going to change. Then if I set the fat to, I can set the fat to a position where it doesn't really need to change unless I want more or less fat in my diet. So carbs are the ones that are going to move up and down with calories. So we can set it where you have um, on chronometer how much energy you've consumed that day, how much you've burned. And there's a third circle that tells you if you're at like how many calories remaining or how many calories you've gone over. So what I can do on my end and what I've taught you to do what you do with your clients now is you can go in and you can set the deficit and it gamifies everything. So if I want you on a 500 calorie deficit, I can build that into it. And then I can tell you all I want is that third circle where it says remaining or surplus. If you're in a diet, I want it to say remaining, but as close to zero as possible. If you're in a surplus, I want it in surplus, but as close to zero as possible. That way we get some precision and accuracy. And then as we go, I can look at how somebody's physique looks, how the performance is. I can look at um, uh, their weight, how their weight's tracking. And then I can easily just hit a button and increase the surplus 125 calories, or I can in, uh, decrease the uh, amount of food by 125 calories. So I actually change what they're eating without them knowing. I'm constantly going in there and moving people up and down. I don't have to tell them because it automatically adjusts it for them. All they need to do is pay attention to that third circle and make sure, get your protein goal, get your fat goal, and make sure that third circle is as close to zero as possible. And I've seen the best success with that ever. And it also provides levers where if I see stuff I don't like, like their physique's not shaping up well, performance not shaping up well, their weight's not moving where we want to, I can run a seven-day, 14-day, 21-day average and go, look, you're supposed to be gaining weight, but you, you constantly have 400 calories remaining. That needs to say zero calories remaining. Okay? Mm -hmm. So it, it shows them too, if they're tracking everything really well, it shows them, explains exactly why they're not getting the results that they should be because they're not actually doing what I'm telling them to do. Yeah, it, it's been a, a game changer. Now, I do have a lot of guys that are like super anal and OCD. And so they're like, how do I plan my carbs? Because they're afraid to start their day off eating carbs, yeah. not knowing how it's going to change and that number is going to go up. But yeah, you give insight to that because I yeah, and, 
And the thing is, especially for guys that are doing BJJ and grappling, you're, you're probably going to need carbs at every meal. Yeah. Like, look, if you're, if you're, um, if you're a casual grappler and you do like two sessions a week, because that's all you have time for, that's all you can recover from. That's all you want to do. Your TDE is not going to go up, but if you're like super serious um, and you're wanting to get good fast, most guys are going to be training like five, six days a week. Easy. They'll do like four or five days in class and maybe they go to open and, and do like open math for a couple hours. Right. And then they're also, once you get deep into it, most everybody's at least lifting weights three days a week and they might be doing some additional cardio. I don't think they understand how much energy you expend when you're doing jujitsu. Cause my last competition, I was 115 kilos about, um, like six months before I was planning on competing. And I didn't want, I didn't want to compete with all the big guys. I said, I'm going to feel better, be faster, move better if I get down into the 90s. So I dieted through six months using this type of tracking to like 92.7 and not eight up to 97. And it really was a moot point because my coach made me fight in the absolute, which is I, I have to fight the big guys anyway. So I might as well just stay big. Um, but what I noticed is like I thought I was eating enough. I was having to eat four or 5,000 calories a day because I was dropping weight too fast. That's crazy. And I didn't, and I didn't want to drop weight too fast because if I drop weight too fast, my performance goes down. Yeah. So I calculated everything out to nail 92, 93 in six months, realized I wasn't going to be light enough with my gi on. So then I ate back up to 97 and I won three golds and the silver. And just, I just destroyed everybody, not because I had superior technique, because it didn't. It's because I had superior athleticism and I was also fueled. They all starved themselves for this. They decided like three weeks out, they were going to starve themselves a weight cut. I started six months out. So I was in a better position physically than they were. And I just beat everybody on points and I just gassed them out because I was just all over. them. So I basically get a few points and then lay on top of them until the time ran out. It, it's that <laughs> eye opening. We had one guy, um, his goal is hypertrophy and, and he is single digit already like body fat. Yeah. So I was like, you know, where are you calorie wise? And the last coach he had had him at the same calories for like a year. I'm up to a 500 calorie surplus with him and he's still dropping weight based on what his watch is showing. And I'm like, bro, you've been under eating for so long. This is why, you know, it's tough to put on size, but yeah. you know, you don't know it. And like the, the, the calorie, um, like you can predict and some of them, it drives them crazy because you know, the tech and all that, like. I have guys who don't want to wear the watch because they want to wear their Rolex and stuff like that, whatever. But like, you know, fine, wear two watches. I know it looks weird, but being being able to see just how much you should be at based on what your output is, like is is kind of eye-opening for them because they're like, oh, I can actually eat more and not gain weight and look better. This is interesting. And they yeah. still want to default to like their lowest calorie amount when they were dieting and they're like well shouldn't i stay in that range i'm like no it's no not a, if you have a better. deficit yeah if you want to get better you have to do you have to push yourself in an unbalanced way to move in that direction so like if you want to lose weight you've got to have an unbalanced diet and go into a deficit to lose weight if you want to get bigger you're gonna to have to do the opposite you're gonna to have to add food so you unbalance things and you gain weight. So I was explaining this to someone yesterday. It's um, like if you look at the law of entropy, where things move from a level of high to low, or things will move like heat moves to cold, right? It always moves in the same direction. And then once it builds up, it moves back in the other direction. So if I had, if I had um, a platform like this, and I put a ball on it, it's not going to roll. If I want it to roll in a direction, I have to tilt. So I have to create an unbalanced, uneven terrain for it to roll one direction, right? Um, and then when I get to the destination, then I've got to turn it back the other way to get to the roll back. And um, with guys like that, if you're single digit body fat, like who cares if you put on a little bit of fat, you can always clean it up. Like if you get to a point where you don't like the way you look, and we've done this with you, right? I've pushed your weight up quite a few times. When you get to the point where you're not comfortable with the weight or you don't like the way you look, it's only a few weeks of dieting to get you back. Like this last time we got you ready for, uh, for the podcast. It's like, you, you're freaking out. I'm like, don't freak out. Don't freak out. And we started the, we started the actual shred like three weeks out. Yep. And what I give you, I, I toned down the weightlifting a little bit. I cranked up the cardio and you dropped like four kilos in three weeks. Yeah. It was pretty gnarly. 
Trust yeah. your coach. Listen to what your coach says. Uh, what you were saying about the, the carbs, like how do you plan for this? Yeah. Because I've had to, I've had to think about this too, because it's true. Like you're, you may be eating a little bit different calories every day, depending on how active or inactive you are. So what I've done now is I've said, look, you know, your protein and your fat are constants. So cook yourself like three or four different types of proteins and then have them in their containers and know how much protein, know how much you need to weigh out. So if you need 40 grams of protein, 50 grams, this is how much you're going to weigh out. Then just get yourself a nice rice cooker, cook up a shit ton of rice, put that in a container. So then you, you and then you, you'll see on average, what's the lowest amount of carbohydrate I need per day. So you already have kind of an idea. And all you're going to need to do is create meals for that. And then any day that you have, you need more carbs, then just add a little bit more rice or eat some fruit. Like it's super easy. Eat a banana. Like just it. And that's the reason I've set it up like that is because protein and fat make very good constants and carbs make a very good variable because carbs are realistically what's going to be, what's going to determine performance, right? So that's the one that, that we can slide around and carbs. You don't have to cook. Like if you, if you had to have more protein, you'd either have to cook it or you'd have to live on protein powder. So if that's constant, you know exactly how much protein you're going to eat every day. You have your protein and fat already set out. And then you just add your carbohydrate or remove some carbohydrate depending on what you need, right? So this makes yeah. it really easy. But it's just the big thing is for those guys, don't, don't obsess about it. It's not that big of a deal. And look, if you missed your calorie goal yesterday, just add those calories to the next day because we're not, we're not working on a day by day. We're working on an accumulative effect. Like what is your average over the week, two weeks, three weeks, a quarter? That's what matters. If you fuck up a day and you were under 100 cap carbs, just add it to the next day. It's super easy. Yeah, that that's what I tell them too. It's like, you know, day to day, it's not that big a deal. We're looking week to week with the averages. Yeah. So people who are watching this are going to think, okay, so do I have to buy a Garmin in order to use this approach? No, absolutely not. I mean, most people, most people already wear trackable tech. <clears throat> like, I don't think I have a single client that doesn't wear Aura Ring, Apple Watch, Samsung, um, Garmin, whatever. I will tell you this. Yes, the Gar I, I do prefer the Garmin, but I'm not going to ask my clients to go out and buy a $1,400 watch if they don't need it, right? If they have an Aura Ring, we'll use it. But the Aura Ring tends to overestimate things by like 250 to 300 calories. So if I know you have an Aura Ring, I can already build that into the, into the fundamental thing. Um, if you have an Apple Watch, it's pretty accurate too. But also consider that nutrition and your TDEE, it, it changes over time. So none of this stuff, you, we can, I can pull up my abacus and my scientific calculator and I can calculate all this stuff out and that could be 20% off. You never know, right? So the only way you know is if you actually are compliant and you're as precise and accurate as possible and you're patient and we see what happens over a couple of weeks and I can be like, okay, you've steadily increased like 300 grams a week based on what you're doing now, we're obviously in a surplus that I can calculate how many calories that would be. And I can remove it from your foundational calories. And then another two weeks, we see what happens. Okay. Now your body weight is stabilized. Do we want to go up or down? If we want to go down now, I know I can go ahead and set that deficit, but it might take, you know, two weeks to reach four weeks to kind of figure out what's going to work for you. Because um, depending on age, male or female, if you have any type of Hashimoto's, if you have any type of issues like that, bad digestion, um, that's going to make it that it's going to be highly variable outside the norm. So you have to think about that and work on observation and then work it, treat everybody like their own independent study. And if you're really consistent and you're really honest with your coach, it's very easy to start dialing that in. Mm -hmm. It, it's been cool. And like, I hope more people utilize it and like other coaches, if, if they join your educational platform, Cerebro, they'll learn how to implement this and how to yeah, set up all that stuff. Cause all the videos are on there um, yeah. because it, it can be confusing at first, but it, then it becomes so easy. And I know like at first I was confused, but then I was like, Oh my God. And as a coach, it actually makes it 10 times easier because like you don't have to, you know, go in and think of like, okay, do I have to like change calories or whatever? You're more focused on the metrics that matter, which are, is the weight, you know, dropping or going up? How are you feeling? Like, how is the averages looking? Like stuff like that. So it's kind of game changing, but I like just the whole like shoving in their face of like, this is what you should be eating. 
based on like, this is your output. Like it's not lying. The tech is not lying, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. And, yeah. you, and you don't, and you don't even need tech for this to work too. So if you don't have the tech, you can still set things up um, and then calculate what you think they should be doing based on what you've given them. Um, and then look, if it's not working, that's great. All you need to adjust is adjust the calories down or adjust the calories up. Because again, the protein and the fat don't really need to change unless, like I said earlier, if you have a, a difference of preference in macros, maybe some people like a little bit more fat, some people like a little bit more carbs, then you adjust the fat to accommodate that. Right. But if you're an athlete, um, carbs are your friend. So if you're training and you're low carb as an athlete, like there's, I, I would, low carb is always a subjective thing. So like if you're, if you're a guy in the Tour de France and you're cycling eight hours a day, 400 grams of carbs is low carb to you. If you're in jujitsu, it's the same type of thing. If you're training, you've got four or 5,000 output, three, 400 carbs is actually low to moderate carb for you. Right. So you don't need to go to no carbs. You don't need to go to keto to readjust your, your physique. You just need to go to lower carb, which is lower in relation to how much output you have. Right. And that's the thing, like, especially with fighting, a lot of those guys, they get into, uh, they get into keto really badly and they wonder why they're gassing so much. It's like, because you actually at 250 grams of carbs, you could be in ketosis. Well, I thought yeah. ketosis was low carb. No, no, no. That's if you were, if you were an epileptic and you weren't working out, then we're looking at standard ketogenic diet, which is high fat, low carb and low to moderate protein. You're an athlete training modifies all that. So you could be, you could be, if you're training volume super high, you could be eating 250 calories, also 250, cal, or 250 grams of carbs, 250 grams of protein, 50 grams of fat. I guarantee you after a week or two, if you measure your blood ketones, you're going to be in ketosis. I remember you talking about that and people are always like, what? But it's true. Like now, Max, my coach, Max, he's doing a shred right now. Um, he's oh, getting really right. lean. And I had, he was doing his um, blood BHB, which is a measure of how, that's a better measurement of ketones than using the pea sticks. So yeah, I think he was eating 150, 175 grams of carbs and he was at like 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 millimoles of ketosis or ketones. Wow. So that isn't deep in the ketosis, but that's still ketosis. Anything above about 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6, you're making more ketones than and that is normal because you really should be like at zero or 0. 0.1. Um, once you get past 0. 0.5, you're actually in ketosis. You're just not in deep ketosis, but you're in nutritional ketosis. So depends on like how deep you want to go, right? And using ketosis for epileptics, you want it deep. Um, but ketosis for an athlete, you don't want it deep because you still want to be able to utilize carbohydrates to fuel your workouts. Have, have you, uh, have you found on the other side, like with guys in a surplus who want to put on muscle, have you found using this approach is showing them for the ones who think they need to be in like a thousand calorie surplus that it does not actually take that much? hundred percent because guy, they, people take that way too far. And I yeah. think it's probably worse to take a surplus too far than it is to take a deficit too far. Um, because it, over time, when you take that surplus too far, you're creating a situation where you're promoting more and more insulin resistance and not in a good way. Because insulin resistance isn't bad. People look at it that as a bad thing. It's just a, it's just a compensation mechanism. Um, so when you're overeating food, and you have insulin resistance, that's a bad thing. Now, if you're in a diet and you're insulin resistant, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It is insulin resistance, but it's for a different reason, right? And that's actually a good thing when you're losing fat to be a little bit insulin resistant because it ensures that you have plenty of uh, fat going into the bloodstream. That's a whole nother conversation. But um, a lot of the guys, they, they, you know, they start, they go on a surplus and they put on some weight and they hit a plateau. Now, Let's think about this from a fat loss perspective. Are plateaus normal? Mm -hmm. 100%. Okay. So if you hit a plateau on fat loss, maybe, maybe you started the diet and you lost a heap of weight right up front. Well, of course, you've got less poo in your guts. You've got less carbohydrate. You've got less, um, you've got less water retention. So of course, you're going you're gonna to lose a lot of water and glycogen and feces right off the bat. But then you're eventually going to hit a plateau. So we need to look at the law of averages, you know, set how much you want to lose on average. 
if you lose a heap of weight and you don't lose weight for a couple of weeks, three weeks, as long as it's still averaging out good, you're good. You don't need to starve yourself anymore, do any more activity, just ride it out. And the minute you're below your average, now you make your adjustments. The same thing has to happen with a surplus because you start adding food. Now you got more poop, more glycogen, more water, more sodium. You're going to put on a heap of weight initially. You're going to hit a plateau. And people have to understand like building muscle is really slow, right? If we look at guys who are natural, the first year, you're lucky to put on six kilos of actual dry, lean muscle tissue. You may put on more because, again, you've got more storage for glycogen, but actual muscle tissue, you're lucky if you're getting 100, 120 grams of actual muscle, lean muscle every week. Well, they put on a heap of initial uh, weight and then they stall out. And what do they do? They add more food, which you actually probably don't even need yet. And then the next thing you know, they're eating a thousand calorie surplus and they do that for six or seven months and they're feeling pretty good. Everybody's telling them, oh, you're looking really big. You're filling out your, your sleeves and your t-shirt. One day you get naked out of the shower and you look at yourself and you look like a fucking melted candle and you go, oh, I've taken that too far. So you look like, use that joke. <laughs> like you look massive in a shirt and you're feeling strong, but you're looking worse. Yeah. And like the whole point is to look better, right? If that's your physique thing. Um, so it's like, how much do I need to, you know, get all my daily shit done, all my daily caloric needs? You don't need that much more to keep putting on weight. What you need is more patience, right? Um, now, a lot of the guys that listen to this will be like, oh, you just need more drugs. That's fine, too. But like, if you want to speed it up, you know, you, you, you can't speed it up simply by eating more food and training more. You can't speed it up with performance enhancing drugs, right? But that also has its limits too. Like at some point, it can only do so much. It's not magic. It's super helpful and we love them, but they're still limited on what they can do. You still need, if you want to put on a heap of muscle weight, it's still going to take a long time. So if you push your calories to a point where you're eating calories that aren't really facilitating that, you're getting bigger, you're getting bulkier, but it's not, it's not the bulk you're looking for. You're just getting, you're starting to look worse and you're creating systemic inflammation, insulin resistance, insulin management is going to get fucked up. Your leptin is going to get fucked up. Your metabolic rate is going to get fucked up. Your sleep's going to get, everything's going to get fucked up. And, uh, and you're going to have to diet that off eventually anyways. So just try to keep your body as tidy as possible. Set your ranges of acceptable body fat. I like to use something for men. I like to cut that off about 17, 18%. If you hit 17, 18%, we're going to do a mini cut, try to get that back like 14, 15 and then go back into, into a bulk. Because as you get to 20 and above, you're going to get to a point where you're, you're not really gaining muscle anymore. You're just layering on more fat. And what's the point of that? Yeah. And I actually, I, I want to ask you about what the best bulking PEDs are, because guys do ask that. They want to know that. And for the dudes who have put the time and effort in the gym, and maybe they want to take it to the next level, they're like, where do I start with that? Yeah, I like look, I like to keep things simple. This is why people don't like to talk to me about gear because I'm like, it's not complicated. Like people are people like are, to talk to you about gear. <laughs> people are making these huge careers on like being PED specialists. And then it's it's like they come to me and they the, the client their clients come to me and they go, Can you look at my cycle? And I'm like, okay, send me a list. And I'm looking at it, go, okay, send me, send me a list of what you're not on because it's easier to analyze that because they just start piling on more and more shit. When I advise people on this, the first thing I do is just try some TRT because you'll put easily three, four kilos on with TRT. Okay. And when TRT, you, maybe, maybe we go sports TRT, you take 200, 250 milligrams. That's a super low amount. It's more than TRT, but it's not a, a cycle cycle. Right. You put on three, four kilos. And if you're not happy with that, good. Let's go to four, 500. If you're not happy with that, let's go to 600. And if we're at 600, Let's keep testosterone at 600. If you need something else, we'll add a different compound. Okay. And then the next discussion is what, what, what type of bulk do you want? Do you want to look like a big bloated monster and be really strong? If you are, they'll throw D ball or anadrol in there. Right. If you don't, then we'll, we'll pop in some different anabolics that, that pair well with that. So either one of the DECA variations or like I save trend for people who have done quite a few cycles because trend is big boy medicine. A lot of people get on that right off the bat, and that is not a great first-timer drug. Uh, people don't realize how powerful it is, and they take far too much. Mm -hmm. But um, 
you know, look, t- the old test in DECA still works like a champion. If they want something like maybe they want more endurance, maybe I give them a little little equipoise, something like that. So maybe test and equipoise. But I always base everything on test because we know that works. Like this, yeah. the the research on test at 200 milligrams will put two to four kilos on you. At 600 milligrams, it put about eight kilos on you in in as little as 12 weeks. So is 25 is 25 pounds enough for you? If it's not, we'll throw D ball in there. That'll put another four, five, six kilos on you. But you'll also look like state puff marshmallow man. You'll be bloated as shit. And when you get off of it, a lot of that'll go away. But you'll still retain some, and you'll still be really fucking strong, right? Um, but I think a good like a good roundabout like testosterone as a base, and then the next thing is like, do I what do I want out of this? Do I want something that's just anabolic to just add a little like a little sprinkles, or do I want something that's more androgenic? Maybe it makes me look a little bit harder, but there's also more side effects to that. So, you know, maybe I think about something like Deck or Equipoise, and then later maybe I pull that out, switch that out with Trend when I when I know I can take Trend and not be a complete fucking asshole on it, and you know, end up end up in jail. <laughs> and then there's obviously throwing in an oral, like a mild oral, like a little bit of Anavar. Anavar is the best thing. I love I love Winstrol. Like that's my thing. I like a little bit of Winstrol. Probably my favorite cycle for me, which I haven't done. Again, I was talking to a friend of mine. I haven't done an actual cycle in like 10 years. Like I've hardly done TRT. So yeah, you have. Yeah. So um, like my, what I like, a little bit of test probe, a little bit of trinacetate, a little bit of Winstrol. For me, that is the best combination of looking like putting on good quality muscle, lots of strength and looking really dry with just fucking dick veins everywhere. Dick skin, which I stole from you too. That he, you know, but you stole that too, right? So I mean, yeah, we all probably. steal from each other. <laughs> I think but I did steal lose that. their shit. I dropped that line and they're, they're like, Dick skin, that's hilarious. I'm like, yeah, I thought of it myself. Well, I actually measured that one time just to see how lean that was, and it's 2.6 millimeters. How'd you measure it? Use my calipers. Can you demonstrate, please? You're not nah, I can't. Well, I can't. We'll need the- I'm married now. I'd get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Zoe will understand. She lets a lot of things slide when it comes to you and I having to talk about weird shit. It's science. It's, it's, the, it's the 13th body fat site. You get your 12th site and you need to measure your dick skin. Can you imagine like asking someone like, listen, I need you to caliper my dick for me. I need to caliper your dick. And they'll be like, what? Like, like yeah, it's like the 10 site. And like, do you understand? <laughs> Oh my god. Hey, you're only as lean as your smallest skin fold. So we just we gotta test your cock skin fold. Yeah. I wonder if the taint, you think the taint might be leaner? Because that's really taints a bit. I mean I'll try that when we get off. But yeah, please report back so I can share with everybody. I'll make Zoe measure my taint. <laughs> well, that is the thing too, like the the distance between, you know, scrotum and the anus. Cause I talk about how that shrinks and that feminizes more, you know, guys and stuff like that. Yeah. And I tell them, I'm like, listen, the taint or, or grundle or whatever you want to call it. The scientific term is anogenital distance. The easy way to remember that my initials, AG distance, that's how you'll remember. <laughs> See, there's a reason and a purpose for everything. I do. <laughs> so, well, that's been an amazing hour, only an hour. I'm cutting you off. Oh, damn it. Because because they'll want more. But you guys know that Luke is speaking at the Austin Silverback in November. And that is literally like you have not been to the U- US since what 2019? Yeah, I well, yeah, 2020. So let's see, Zoe and I got married February 2nd, 2020. And then after that, I flew over to do program design. And in the middle of it is when like all the COVID shit came in. And she goes, You're coming home now because they're going to shut the borders down. And I was, I was put, I put my foot down. I said, no, I've never, ever, ever canceled a seminar. I've never cut one off in the middle. I'm not going to do it now. She goes, no, no, no. you're going to get stuck in Texas and we don't know how long. And I went, fuck. So I got my ass on the plane, got back. And like, I got back like one or two days before they shut all the flights off from coming in. So I haven't been home in over three and a half years. My God, if you got stuck here, I think we would probably petition to get you kicked out. Like we would have all had to entertain you and man, that would be a hell of a responsibility. Man, 
America's crazy. America's cray cray right now. I can't wait to come home and see because from what I see over here, everything's fucking bananas. B a n a n a s. Dude, the, the, like they're taking away everything that makes like men anabolic. Everything um, yeah. makes men men, and plus, like, uh, yeah, you're gonna come here and be like, okay, like Ben, who who uh, Ben Maysfield, who was here this weekend for the event that we both spoke at, he was like. It's really hard to find clean food. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, it is. You know, even in the grocery stores and stuff like that. But anyway, um, when when Zoe, now nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna Kanye West real quick because I do want to say this about that that like finding clean food. The first time Zoe came over, we were in Dallas and we went to a, an Albertsons, and so we walk in and she sees how big the produce section is and the whole wall of pre-chopped, pre-sliced, pre-washed vegetables, everything you could want. Like, like you don't even need to do anything. You just buy the container. She goes, I don't understand how people can be so overweight and obese here. I'm like, this is true. I'll show you in a minute. We drove down the road and I'm like, there's 20 fast food stores on one corner. I'm like, that's why. Yeah, it is awful. Like the airports. Yeah. Chick-fil-A, like super fast food, but getting bad um, here too. I know. I think you guys are second, like you in the UK to obesity in the world next to I us. I think it's like I looked up the, the I looked up the numbers last night, and I think it's like 65 or 68 percent of adults in Australia are now overweight or obese. Yo, bad. Yeah. You, and you and Wendy's is coming here now. We're oh, about wait. to open 200 Wendy's. Frosties. Frosty. Oh, yeah. Wait, so do you guys have like the rage of semaglutide like we do here? Are, are people like using Ozempic and stuff? Um, they are, they <laughs> are, but you also keep in mind like this country does not, even though the continent is huge, there's not that many people here, right? There's 24 to 26 million people in the country. Like that's less than how many people live in Texas. So our I don't see it as much as you would see it there when you have 20, 320 million people, it's going to be everywhere. But I do have a lot of people asking me about it. Um, and I, I'm going to, another coach asked me what my thoughts were. And I'm like, look, I'm all about it. If that's what helps people lose all the weight and we can work on other goals, then any of my clients who are that overweight, I, I'm happy for them to get on it because that might be the only thing that actually gets them there. Right. So, that's and nice. once we can get there, that makes it easier to do other cool things because now they can actually train and do stuff and not be tired and 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 be able to go and do other that opens up a lot of other options for them to do exercise. Yeah, that I we're on the same page with that because like there's so many fit pros out there making videos against it and stuff. But so stupid. It's like how long do you how long do you struggle with someone or how long does it, do they struggle? Um, before it's like just take this drug and just get it over with. And then we can focus on other stuff. Right. So, but a, a lot of the fit pros don't understand like the science behind what happens in the brain, what happens like leptin and things and, and how the brain changes to create a situation where people actually can't regulate their hunger anymore. Um, and the perfect example is going to like, go to a, an American buffet or go to a Vegas, go to Vegas and you'll see, you know, four or 500 pound people with like 20 plates stacked and they're still going. Like they have no sensation of when they're full. They're all, they always feel like they're starving. And at that point, it has nothing to do simply with them changing their lifestyle. It has to do with their brain is constantly telling them, you need food, you need food, you need food. So they just keep eating because they can never be satisfied. Mm -hmm. that, that's what you're going to make me do in Austin, though. Okay, yeah, I'm trying to put some weight on you. We, I, I, have to see you, I have to see you, I have to see you in uh, October and then a week later for Swiss after your Swiss. program design seminar and then like two weeks later, like, so we have plenty of time. <laughs> I, it ain't no good food in Ohio, so we won't be eating a lot in Swiss. I'll still be dieting in Swiss, but in yeah. Texas, we're going to eat. Yeah, I'm going to say, aren't we all getting shredded for fucking silverback? Like, that's literally like climax. That's our orgasm of the year is. You know, this is this is this is our life shredding for silverback. <laughs> this is like what what we focus on. Um, so for people who want to learn more about what you guys do, maybe coach with you or uh, sign up for your educational services, how do they do that? Um, contact Zoe at info at musclenerds.net, or if you want to go to our 
so we're terrible on social media. We put out stuff every once in a while, but yeah, that was that, I think we've changed it now. Muscle nerds underscore education. I think that's what it is now. That's so sad. I don't even know what my Instagram thing is. Right. <laughs> um, those are probably the two, those are the two best places. So we're going to 2024, we're going to get on our social media. We're going to actually get it done. Hopefully we'll see. Literally for less than a hundred dollars, you guys every month can get ah, access to, subscription. to Luke's um, brain and he uploads new videos what every month every two weeks uh every two weeks every two weeks new new educational videos and then there's the form as well so people can come ask questions and, and get clarity on stuff yeah so when i do my cardio that's what i'm catching up on our cerebro videos so you guys can do that anaerobics at the same time and everybody wins so everybody thank wins. you for doing this i appreciate it yes ma'am